It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatic, prop specialist, prop expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at MadJournalist, that is M-A-D-D, journalist. And you can find us both trolling around pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to go ahead and jump into NFL Week Seven. This is our Money Picks pod, where we go through all the player props. Chris talks about DFS. He tells you who to play, who to sit, and uh, we give out a ton of props. And we've been kicking rear end, to be honest with you guys. You know, over the last couple of podcasts that we've been doing this, and Chris and I, we've been having a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we do get to this one late, but again, you guys wake up. You have a solid podcast. You're probably going to end up getting a bunch of winners. I'll say this, and I don't know. And I was trying to think, Chris. I'm like. What could I give away? And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I can give away. And I guess I can give away my my sanity, but I'm, I'm going to guarantee that that there is no way in hell that we do not make money on this particular podcast. That's all I'm going to say. There's no way in hell that we will lose money. So if any of you guys have a sheet of paper and a pencil, write our picks down. And I know a lot of you guys are. A lot of you guys are betting them. But uh, I have a feeling we're going to kick some serious butt. Chris, before we go ahead and get started, you got anything that you want to clear up before we go ahead and jump into this week's pod? Just for everyone to uh, keep a lookout on bettingpredators.com. If you're not subscribed to the site already, go ahead and subscribe. Just enter your email at the bottom of any article. You'll get an email alert anytime we push out new content. And we've got tons of content every week. I put out my props article. I've got my fantasy rankings. I do uh, waiver wire rankings. I also do like a waiver wire deep dive called Hunting the Waiver Wire, where we're talking about uh, guys that are owned in less than one third of leagues. So if you're in 12 team, 14 team or more, kind of most people talk about like the common guys who are owning like 50%. So I like to try to specialize it and make it a little more valuable for people who play in more competitive fantasy. So uh, McKenzie's got content coming out on the site now. We've got uh, Dan Rivera does his look ahead lines every week. Sleepy, you put out a column as well. And uh, Smooth does a really awesome job with the matchup breakdowns. He writes basically like one or two paragraphs on every single game using PFF data, DVOA, uh, yards per play. Really awesome content there. He's putting out uh, likes, leans, props, et cetera. So we've got a lot of great content on the site in addition to the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed to both. And uh, like you said, we're like, I'm personally like midway through my research process. I I like to read up on some stuff that I go to each week earlier in the week and then we kind of do this pod and go back and forth on our thought process on late Friday night. And then by, you know, probably by Saturday night, I'm writing my article. I'm finishing making some last bets myself. And that's kind of the weekly grind and routine has how it's been so far. So I'm, I'm liking that process so far. And like I told you earlier um, this afternoon, we were talking on Twitter. I feel really strong about some plays this weekend more than I have felt in a few weeks. So I'm ready to get going, man. As you mentioned, Chris, the process, and that's important. You know, if you're all over the place and you don't have any type of routine, especially when it comes to handicapping sports, you know, you're more than likely you're going to end up struggling. The fact that you and I, we seem to go ahead and have found our niche, you know, it's been producing positive results. Here's one thing that I do have. Somebody asked me, they actually sent me a message. They said, what's the retweet army? I guess they had no idea what it was. So I explained it to them. So for those of you guys who are listening here, the retweet army is pretty simple. If you guys retweet our podcast and you interact with us on Twitter and we see that you're retweeting the pod, what I'll do is I'll reach out to you and I'll say, hey, do you have a play? And what I'll do is I'll read it on our podcast and I'll say, hey, 
X, Y, and Z person. I'll give you a shout out. And then what we'll do is we'll put you up on the Betting Predators retweet army page. We'll put your Twitter handle on there so you guys get a little shine as well. So I wanted to clear that up for anybody who didn't know. But let's go ahead and let's jump into these games, Chris. We got a lot to get to. We're going to go through the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock games. And if Chris and I have anything for the Sunday night football game, you guys can find us on Twitter, at SleepyJ underscore pregame, and at MadJournalist. Chris, let's go ahead and start out with the Browns at the Bengals. Browns are going to be minus three, total 50 and a half. Let me go first on this one. I like and I bet Baker Mayfield over 230 and a half passing yards. You might ask, you know, why would I do this? Well, you know, Baker's only surpassed that amount once all season. Even the last time he played the Bengals, he went under this total. Well, Baker came out and he took some ownership of the Browns getting drubbed, you know, by Pittsburgh last week. He said, you know, this team's 4-2, and two, but they feel like an 0-6 football team. I think that's a pretty strong statement, not to mention Mayfield. You know, he hasn't really played above average, maybe once or twice this entire season. And we know the Browns have weapons that they can throw the ball to. And the Bengals' pass defense, it's well below average. Plus, Baker's going to get another look at this Bengals' bad pass defense. But I believe this. I believe head coach Stefanski, he knows that Baker is struggling, especially with his completion percentage this season. Stefanski has to do something here to go ahead and restore Mayfield's confidence. I think Baker gets the ball to Odell, Landry, and Hunt with quick, short, completed throws. In this game, plus I think Baker, you know, he has a rib injury and getting rid of the ball is going to be a big help for him all around. I think we can go ahead and rule out the Browns probably winning by a ton of margin in this game and the Bengals offense. We know that they can score. So I kind of see a shootout here. Total sitting right now at 50 and a half. The weather looks like it's going to be perfect football weather. I think Baker Mayfield bounces back in a big way. I think he silences critics against his bad Bengals defense. Mayfield's going to take full advantage of the game plan that I believe he's going to get his playmakers involved to make big plays. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet Baker Mayfield over 230 and a half passing yards. Chris, Browns, Bengals, what are you thinking? Yeah, my go-to play in this game, and someone brought it up on Twitter actually, and uh, they were asking, hey, what do you think about Kareem Hunt over on rushing yards? And I said, yeah, that's exactly where I'm looking in this game. And Kareem Hunt, he's the lead dog in Cleveland. You look at his snap rate from last week, it was pretty low, and you're like, oh, is he losing playing time? But no, they, they just got drubbed 38-7. to 7. So you, you take the starters out, you take Mayfield out, you take Hunt out, and you, you just you know, kind of lick your wounds and go from there. So this is the perfect get-right spot here uh, for the Browns in a divisional game. A team, like, like you said, Sleepy, they put up 35 points against with no problem a few weeks back. I believe it was a Thursday night island game there. So I I like Kareem Hunt in the best matchup he's had as the starting running back over the last three weeks in this game. Now, I'm not seeing any lines, and I have two books open. We're looking at DraftKings Sportsbook first for this one, and I also have the Bet Online AG Sportsbook open as well, and I'm not seeing rushing yard totals. However, you know these numbers will trickle out over the next 24 to 36 hours before Sunday kickoff. And let's just put it this way. I'm pretty sure if Kareem Hunt comes out anywhere in the 80s, I'm going to be looking to play his over rushing because we still know that the identity of this Browns team is to ground and pound from the head coach on down, Kevin Stefanski and whatnot. So Kareem Hunt had 86 rushing yards on just 10 carries when these two teams played. Nick Chubb had like 22 carries for almost 150 yards himself. So just those two guys alone went over 200 rushing yards 
in this game. I look for Kareem Hunt in an absolute smash spot here to play the over on his rushing yards. And then on the Bengals side, I'm actually looking towards their, their passing game. And the Cleveland Browns defense has actually served as somewhat of a pass funnel defense so far this year. They've been fairly decent against the run. And with Miles Garrett up front, he's been doing well clogging the lanes. Uh, however, teams have been able to throw on them. And we all know Joe Burrow is going to drop back a lot in this game. So you look at the three-headed monster of A.J. Green, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd in no specific order. But the fact that all three of those guys are out there, uh, their totals are going to be fairly low. So the highest guy out of those three is Tyler Boyd at 64 and a half. You have Higgins at 58 and a half and Green at 51 and a half. I think all those numbers are soft. And Joe Burrow had 60 plus pass attempts in the last game. So I look for the pass catchers in this game outside of Hunt as my main play. And then with the injury news I'll throw in here last second is Joe Mixon's officially been ruled out. So we've got Giovanni Bernard drawing a start. And anytime Gio Bernard's gotten a full-time role in this offense, he has produced quite well uh, in, in Joe Mixon's absence. So even looking at um, – this is the first time he's been able to get the start this year, but last year he had a couple uh, – or sorry, not last year, but 2018, he had back-to-back weeks where he was the clear-cut starter for this offense – and he had 69 rushing yards in one game, 61 in another game. He had four catches, five catches, had 25-plus receiving yards in those games. So I expect Giovanni Bernard to be heavily involved. I think he's a great DFS play. I think he's a great season-long play. Um, and I would be interested in looking at his rushing yards uh, and receiving total in this game being the lead back. So that, that's that's kind of where I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to the number being put out on Kareem Hunt. And then I'm going to dive a little bit deeper in, into the Bengals pass catchers because I, I think one of those three, if not two of the three, can definitely be exploitable on the overs there. All right, solid stuff on that game. I agree with you, Chris, here. I think there's one thing we should caution some people about uh, with this particular game. If you do go back to that Bengals game when these two teams played, the Browns did run for 215 yards in that game. And a lot of that, as Chris mentioned, it was Nick Chubb. So just be careful when you're getting the information from anybody you know, when they talk about the rushing, that a lot of it was Nick Chubb. So just be careful of, you know, the handicaps that you're listening to. And Chris, I think the fact that you like Hunt here, and one little thing, I'll throw this in. It seems like the Browns running back, Johnson, has kind of fallen off here uh, within like the last week. So I had to get a heavy, heavy dose of Hunt this week going into this game. Let's jump over here to Cowboys at Washington. Cowboys going to be minus one, total 45. I'll start out with this one, Chris. I like and I bet. Washington running back J.D. McKissick over 27 and a half receiving yards last week. You know, I said Kyle Allen taking over because Ron Rivera decided to go ahead and bench Haskins that Rivera was going to have to go ahead and let Allen throw the ball. Well, guess what? Rivera is going to probably go ahead and let Allen go ahead and throw the ball again. And why not? I think the style secondary is just absolutely brutal. Now, McKissick really bumped up, you know, not only his target share last week, but he also bumped up his snap percentage. McKissick, you know, he's gone over this receiving yards number in the last two games. And who was the quarterback? Well, it was Kyle Allen. Not only am I optimistic, you know, about the usage of McKissick from last week, but if you go back two weeks ago, when Allen was knocked out of the game against the Rams, Allen completed three of his nine completions to McKissick. And that was before halftime when Allen actually got knocked out. Even with Dallas having Dalton behind center, you know, I think Dallas probably throws the ball a decent amount here. We talked about Zeke just a minute ago. 
And he seems like he has squirrels, you know, juggling knives in his head, especially with all these fumbles that, you know, that he's been having trouble with. So I certainly expect the Cowboys to go ahead and throw the ball. Therefore, I think Washington has to keep up the pace here. So let's also factor in two injuries. You know, Washington has two wide receivers that are going to be out. You're going to have Gandy Golden out and Isaiah Wright. Now, look, these guys aren't, aren't your big-time playmakers, but Allen has thrown those guys the ball, you know, in the last couple of games, at least a handful of times. So I think you have to subtract those targets. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to bet J.D. McKissick over 27.5 receiving yards. And here's a bonus scumbag degenerate play. At DraftKings right now, you can get McLaurin receiving yards over 72.5. And on FanDuel, you can get McLaurin receiving yards 81.5. So there's a nice middle there for some of you maniacs out there. Just be careful of the juice. Chris, what do you got for the Cowboys in Washington? Yeah, this is actually my favorite play so far the week is Terry McLaurin. And I'm seeing on DraftKings right now is the over-under 78.5. I've got no problems playing that, even though it's a little higher than it's been in previous weeks. And it's all about the matchup here. And uh, Terry McLaurin, I mean, he he's fifth in the league in targets, but his production hasn't been there. You know, Alex Smith a couple weeks ago, Kyle Allen the last couple weeks, but Kyle Allen enabled DJ Moore to, to have a top 10 fantasy wide receiver season in Carolina last year. So McLaurin is just as talented, if not more talented overall than DJ Moore. And the Dallas Cowboys are 29th in receiving points allowed to opposing wide receiver one. So we're talking fantasy numbers, but we're talking production here just in general, they're allowing 104 yards per game to opposing number one receivers. That's 31st out of 32 teams in the NFL. So I've had this circle for a long time, ever since, you know, last week ended. I've, I've had this matchup targeted here, and, and I've got him ranked accordingly in fantasy. I've got Terry McLaurin as a top 10 option. I've got him ranked number six overall right now, which is about four spots ahead of consensus. Consensus has him at 10. Overall, I've got him borderline top five this week. I think it's an absolute smash spot for him. And I think that a guy with his talent can absolutely exploit this matchup here. And and look, McLaurin's had two 100-plus yard games already this season. He did it a couple weeks ago against Baltimore off 14 targets. And he did it against Arizona in week two with 125 yards. So this is uh, so far my personal favorite play of the week. And you just look at all the peripheral numbers for the receivers. It's McLaurin, and then it's the running backs in this offense, like you mentioned with McKissick. And on, on the prop play article on bettingpredators.com, you know, I put that out uh, late overnight Saturday into Sunday morning. And we've had McKissick on there now back to back weeks, and we've easily cashed those. Um, and, and McKissick's been, you know, he, he's been easily clearing that 20, 27 and a half point total there. And you look at Gibson, too. Gibson hasn't been clearing it by much. But he's had over uh, 24 or 25 receiving yards now in three straight games. Gibson's had exactly five targets in three consecutive games. And his over-under receiving is only at 21 and a half. Now, the juice is a, is a little bit extra. It's minus 134 on DraftKings. But this is a game where Gibson is set up for, as a rookie coming in, he's a converted wide receiver out of college. So he knows how to catch the ball. He's getting the targets. He's playing with a check down type of quarterback. And against this bad of a defense, I definitely like Gibson to break off a long play or two, both in the running game and the receiving game. So I've got Gibson ranked in the top 15 overall in fantasy this week. And just like with McKissick, uh, I actually like Gibson a lot because the the over-under is six yards lower. So give me over 21.5 receiving yards for Gibson as well as over 78.5 receiving yards on Terry McLaurin. I would play McLaurin easily into the eight into the mid uh, lower to mid 80s there for him as well 
All right, next game we'll get into is Lions at the Falcons. But let me clear up a couple of things here. First, Chris, I really liked McLaurin as well. And I noticed that you had said his receiving yards are at 78 and a half. And I just told you guys that it was at 72 and a half. Well, I, I did my handicap probably like an hour before we jumped on this podcast. And from the time I did my handicap until the time Chris and I actually went live, it moved from 72 to 78. So instead of having a nine point middle, it looks like now you have four. So I would be especially, you know, careful of the juice, but you know, we might have to go ahead and, and just scrub that play. And look, you know, these lines are moving and when people see nine point middles, they're going to do exactly, you know, what, what we're talking about here, you know, betting over on one book, betting under on the other. Hopefully they just eat a little bit of juice and then they have themselves a nine point middle. Now with that said, Chris, I'll, I will say one thing about McKissick, and this is one of the reasons why I looked at Gibson, but then I decided on McKissick is the fact that Allen's in there now. He worked a lot with McKissick when, you know, they were kind of like not starting the football game. So I think that that was one reason. And if you look at the last box score, it seemed like McKissick, as I mentioned, you know, he got a bump up in snap percentage and he got a bump up in targets. So that's why I kind of targeted him. And then I noticed today that you sent me a trade request for McLaurin. So you must be really high on him. You know, you wanted to send me guys like like Willie Sneed and Deshaun Hamilton and and Jalen Guyton. And like, I don't know what what you were thinking that I was going to trade McLaurin. But I'll tell you, it ain't going to happen. But let's jump over to the Lions at the Falcons. We got the Falcons minus two, total 55. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and rip and run on this one first. What are you thinking? Yeah, so first of all, I sent you Brandon Ayuk and Antonio Brown. I, I took, I, I've been chopping Antonio Brown around. I just picked him off waivers once the news came out that he was looking to come back. So I was like, I know there's got to be a couple owners out here who really love them some Antonio Brown. So let me see what I can do. I actually did pull off a trade. I traded Antonio Brown and Tony, Tony Pollard to the Zeke owner and got DJ Moore back. So I, I'd be surprised to see Antonio Brown do much this year. I mean, look, the potential is massive. He's reunited with Tom Brady, who like absolutely gave him all the targets in the one game they played together in New England. But that's another story for another day. Uh, I was actually considering offering you Will Fuller for McLaurin uh, just because I think the potential is that massive. I traded for McLaurin in a dynasty league this past week as well. So I'm super excited about his matchup. And I, I just see McLaurin being like a slate breaker on DFS. Like he's a guy that can go for like – eight, nine, 10 catches, a hundred plus yards. I, I just think he has an absolute dominant day in this game. So I don't even care that the over-unders moved up into, you know, 80. I think at, at a bet online, it's like even 81 and a half right now. I'd still play it. I'd probably play it about up to like close to 85. Um, so get it at the best number you can get it and go from there. Uh, in, in regards to this game here with the Lions and the Falcons, you know, we have a clear uh, Atlanta Falcons offense that's actually operating quite well right now with Julio Jones back. And we saw how important Julio Jones, just his presence is on the field and how in the splits you look at from Matt Ryan with Julio on and off, it, it's just, he's an entirely different quarterback. People are calling for his retirement with no Julio. Now he's looking like a top five, top 10 fantasy option with Julio and uh, Julio and Ridley to me are, are the, are the, are the areas that I'm going to look in this game um, because they're the clear one, a one B options in this passing game. And the Falcons are, are operating right now with actually one of the better offensive lines in the league. They're not turning the ball over. They're blocking for Matt Ryan pretty well. And the Lions' pass rush doesn't really scare me all too much here. So um, unfortunately sleepy, I don't see numbers on DraftKings for these two guys, but 
I, I, my guess is that they're going to come out somewhere in the high seventies to low eighties. So I am looking uh, to make plays on those guys. Uh, and then overall, like I'm not going to go towards DeAndre Swift. I know he had the big breakout game, but he still only had about 38% of the snaps in that matchup. One place I would actually look here is Adrian Peterson to go under his rushing yards in this game. Um, and right now the over under on DraftKings it's pretty low. It's 42 and a half, but as the Falcon as the Lions came off the bye, they looked they got DeAndre Swift more involved and the Falcons actually have one of the better uh, run games in the NFL right now and you attack the Falcons through the air. So I expect Kenny Galladay to have a big game. So I'm leaning right now towards Kenny Galladay over on receiving and Adrian Peterson under on rushing. I, I would rather find a number closer to 50 if I was going to play Peterson under 42 and a half. That's a little borderline to me. So I got to dig into that a little more. Uh, but I do like Kenny Galladay where he sits right now at 74 and a half. Um, you know, he hit his over last week and he's just getting back into the swing of things. And this is another situation where, again, Matthew Stafford is an entirely different quarterback with his number one receiver on the field in Kenny Galladay. So uh, I, I think we see a lot of points in this game. Uh, this is projected to be one of the fastest up-tempo, highest amount of snaps type of game. So a lot of fantasy points and goodness here. Uh, and I'm going to look towards the top options and weapons on the passing side in both for this one. All right, great stuff there from Chris. So Chris, let me go ahead and circle back to two things. Let's go back to our little fantasy thing. I picked up a player today that I thought for sure that you were going to pick up before me. And the fact that you didn't have him, that you didn't pick him up and he was available, I'm like, all right, there's a win for me. I finally got one win against Chris Dell and, and the other 19 people in our league, but I felt really cool. Hey, bro. And because I found this guy, we're going to end up making a play on him in a couple games down the road. Now, you did mention Adrian Peterson. I will pound my chest right here. If you guys listen to this Straight Out of Vegas show on Saturday night with Bernie Fratto, you heard my Adrian Peterson handicap, and I nailed it. I said the Jaguars were probably going to commit a penalty in the end zone, and it was going to put AP at the one. Well, wouldn't you know it, Adrian Peterson was the first score of the game because the Jaguars committed a penalty in the end zone. But it's that type of, you know, deadly accurate handicaps, you know, that we need to go ahead and prove ourselves, you know, as, as guys that can actually sit here and do a podcast and talk about, you know, getting this stuff right for you guys. But here's my handicap. I like and I bet Todd Gurley over 62 and a half rushing yards. And what do we know about Gurley this year? Well, we know he likes to run on the carpet at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Three games at home, 56, 80, and 121 yards in Atlanta. Notice those numbers. 56 was the first home game, and 121 yards rushing was the last. So Gurley's running really well at home, and the trend line to me, you know, it is a little bit encouraging. Now, Gurley on the road, he's been a completely different story, which I think, you know, it might offer us a little bit of value that might not be factored into this prop line. Plus, you know, the home games in which the teams he ran against, they were the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Panthers. I think all three of those teams have, you know, I would say like average to slightly above average rush defense. But the Lions rush defense, it's absolutely terrible. They're tied for third worst in the league. And teams are just gutting this team, you know, running the ball. The Bears Montgomery ran for 68 yards. Packers Jones, 168. Kenyon Drake had 73. Kamara, 83. Even Latavius Murray ran for 64 yards against this Lions rush defense. The Falcons won't have to throw a ton here, you know, playing the Lions. I don't think the Lions pass defense is actually all that bad. 
So I expect a full dose of Gurley here. And let me just kick this one. And, you know, the Lions defensive end, Trey Flowers, he's kind of banged up right now with a wrist injury. And I think he's probably going to be limited somewhat in this game. He did miss some practice time, and he was limited in practice. So for me, I think that the Lions' best defensive guy, you know, he's right now he's fifth on the Lions also in tackles. I think that's going to help Gurley here. So I'm not going to mess around with this one at all. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump all over Todd Gurley over 62 and a half rushing yards. Chris, let's jump over to the Panthers at the Saints. Saints right now minus seven and a half here at home. Total 50. What are you thinking about for that one? Yeah, so for the Panthers Saints, there's a couple things I've got my eye on here. And it goes on both sides. And I'm going to look always each week so far this year to it's to attack the Panthers on the ground. So, you know, we, we've got big injury news. Obviously, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both ruled out for this game. Um, and the, you, because the fact you attack the Panthers on the ground, they've been torn up by running backs in almost every game this season. I am going to look towards Kamara and Latavius Murray, both who are essentially splitting uh, running back carries out of the backfield, even though Kamara's role is obviously much bigger in the passing game here. Um, and then in, in terms of the Panther side, I actually do think this is a sneaky type of productive game for both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And we all think Marshawn Lattimore is some guy we want to sh- uh, shy away from in fantasy, but actually Marshawn Lattimore is graded as one of the uh, poorer defensive backs and shadow coverage so far by PFF this year. He's been out allowing a lot of production. A lot of people are going to think of the last Island game where we saw the Saints beat the Chargers, where he made a big play and tackled uh, Mike Williams one yard short of a first down, basically winning the game for New Orleans. However, up until that point, he was actually getting burned one-on-one by Mike Williams and the rest of that offense there. So I'm actually not afraid to attack Marshawn Lattimore. I don't know who he's going to line up against. It might be a little bit of both in this game here. Uh, but DJ Moore, he had a, he had a team high 11 targets last week. Uh, he doubled that of Robbie Anderson. We had all been talking about Anderson moving into the wide receiver one spot there. Uh, but DJ Moore is hovering around like 50% of the air yards in this Panthers offense. And Teddy Bridgewater on top of that is actually averaging a career high in yards per pass attempt. So he's not the check down guy that we got used to seeing in New Orleans last season. So um, I do think these numbers are going to be a little lower because we think of the Saints defense, but the Saints defense, is you want to play the under on the rushing yards against the Saints. So uh, one of my top plays was Mike Davis so far this week, looking at his under on rushing yards, under 57 and a half. And we won the prop in that Chargers game of Josh Kelly under rushing yards. So I think Mike Davis will be heavily involved, of course, but I think it's going to be more in the passing game in this one. So I do like Mike Davis under 57 and a half rushing yards in this game. Uh, That's my favorite play. And then, you know, second favorite right now would be looking towards, like I said, the receiving options. And right now I think you can get uh, Robbie and I'm just double checking the numbers here, making sure they didn't move, but uh, DJ Moore at 67 and a half and then Robbie Anderson, 71 and a half. So I think that Moore should be actually, I think his total should be higher, which is why I would lean to attack his prop first, um, 67 and a half, because I think people overreacted a little bit to Robbie, uh, where I think they're more of a, a kind of 1A, 1B, as opposed to Robbie being the clear one. Uh, so if, if I get four less yards on the prop, I'll definitely attack that one first. But uh, Mike Davis under is my favorite play of the game so far. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. All right, Chris. Well, I do have a little bit of pushback, but I don't think it will probably hurt. I don't think it'll hurt your plays much. I think the fact that, 
you know, Sanders is out, Thomas is out, you know, that, that really just leaves Kamara as like your best option. I think Carolina, they probably go ahead and they try to stack the box and spy on Kamara. So I would be a little leery of Kamara rushing yards. And I think Kamara will probably have a spy on him because he's really like the main guy that's going to hurt you in this offense. And if they can go, let's just take Kamara out of the game and let's leave it up to Breeze. And you have no Sanders, you have no Thomas. So it's like, you know, you're going to have to make Breeze probably beat you, which sounds a little bit crazy. And that leads me into, you know, my picks here. I like and I actually bet three props for this game. Now, I think the goal for us is probably going to be to cash the big ones here. But I'm going to give you guys a small one. You know, it's going to prove as a little bit of a buffer for us. We're going to go ahead and we're going to play two Saints receivers to go ahead and score a touchdown. Number one, Traquan Smith at plus 165. And then Marquez Callaway at plus 325. That's the guy that I thought Chris would pick up in the league, but evidently he didn't. He probably just didn't have room on his bench. Now, as I mentioned, Michael Thomas is out. Emmanuel Sanders out. Benny Fowler is also out. Last week, Fowler and Sanders, they accounted for 20 targets, 18 catches from Breeze. That's a ton of volume. Well, subtract Sanders and Fowler now, and who the hell else do the Saints have to go ahead and catch the ball? Well, they got Tynan Cook, they got Traquan Smith, and they have Callaway as their wide receiver tight end options. Last week, Callaway was actually targeted six times, and he had four catches. I can only think he probably gets close to 10 targets this game, Chris, and I think the same probably goes for Smith. Now, we can get 20 targets for those two guys spread out, you know, against this Panthers defense. I think you and I probably feel pretty good, you know, that we have a chance to at least cash one of these tickets. But the one we really want to go ahead and cash here is Callaway at plus 325. You know, the total is 50 for a reason. Plus, you know, the Saints had a bye week last week, and I'm assuming that they probably knew that Thomas would be out, and they knew Fowler was going to be out. He went on the IR. So my gut says Callaway certainly gets some looks here, and I think he probably had some scripted plays in practice. And I'll tell you guys this real quietly. If you go over to FanDuel, go ahead and bet Marquez Callaway to go ahead and score two TDs or more at 37-1. to So let me go ahead and recap this because we're going to make a lot of money, I think, on this game. Number one, we're taking Traquan Smith to score a TD at plus 165. We're going to take Marquez Callaway to score a TD at plus 325. And then we're going to go ahead. We're going to sneak over to FanDuel. We're going to play Marquez Callaway to score two TDs or more at 37 to 1. I think we're going to get the money in this game. I think I'm going to make a ton of units with this game with these two players. Painless is waiting. Chris. Panthers Saints how do you feel about those goofy picks I just gave out <laughs> I like it man I yeah so with with Callaway in a 20 team league definitely was a, a wise pickup for you if you need a spot start because the waivers are just so thin you have to play the injury news in that type of a deep league like that um and I I did not know that about his production that's something that just slipped my research the last week so that that's definitely impressed by that um I, I would just be a little worried about having those props, and then all of a sudden Jared Cook and Deontay Harris get the touchdown. So those are basically the only other two guys, and Latavius Murray as well. So if you're looking at the rushing, I I still think you can exploit the Panthers on the ground here. And I I think typically you're going to see – I don't see the lines rushing for those two guys yet because all this injury stuff going down. But if Latavius Murray is like 20, 30 yards less rushing than Kamara, then – I would actually look to play the over on his rushing yards in this game. So uh, I, I definitely do think those are some sneaky plays there. 
Uh, and and just to, just to piggyback again one more time to to you know kind of reemphasize DJ Moore here. I mean, last year he torched up the Saints for six catches, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. Even though Lattimore didn't play in that game, but going back to what I said about Lattimore, he's actually allowed 15 of 19 targets to be completed in his coverage this year for 254 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater, we mentioned this, has prior chemistry with Robbie Anderson. So does my, uh, Coach Matt Rule has prior experience with Robbie Anderson. But Moore is the top talent here. He's the younger talent. And the more weeks we get under his belt with the quarterback and with the coach, he's going to be more and more used. So that's why I really like the over on him this year, uh, on, on this week. And I think for the rest of the year, I'm starting to like him a lot more than Anderson. I'm not trying to just base it off of one game, but uh, – he is the he is the talent there in that offense, and I think they can operate well together. So, having said all that, um, you know th- this is this is where we're at because there's so many injuries on the same side. Will it be Callaway? Will it be Harris? I, I think by kind of covering your bases with at least two or three of those, you, you definitely have a decent shot to pay off that uh, pay off that prop there. I was kind of hoping that at least you know I would get Traquan or I would get Callaway in there, and then I would feel pretty good like. You know, if it's not Callaway, well, then, you know, I, I won't lose a whole lot. But, you know, God forbid if we hit that plus 325 or that 37 to 1, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be happy. And I looked at Harris, I looked at Cook, and I'm just like, you know, I'm looking for more of, of a better payout. And one thing I did notice, Chris, I believe this was on DraftKings, and I think this is because, you know, Sanders is out and Thomas is out, that they actually had a touchdown for Latavius Murray at minus 250, and they had the same exact number for Kamara. So they are expecting those guys to go ahead and get in the end zone. But again, my gut feeling says, you know, they do try to stack the box and slow those guys down and make, you know, goofball guys like Harris and Callaway and Traquan Smith go ahead and try to beat you. And and look, the, the, the Carolina Panthers secondary, you know, it, it's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, they're half decent. I mean, you got to you got to take that defense and say, you know, from what we thought in the beginning of the year to what they are now, you know, that they, they have impressed. But I think we'll go ahead and we'll sneak a couple props in here. I like all the ones that Chris has there as well. Let's jump over to the Bills at the Jets. Bills going to be a big favorite here. Minus 11, total 46 and a half. I'll go ahead and I'll start on this one, Chris. I like and I bet Jets running back Frank Gore under 40 and a half rushing yards. Now, why in the world would I do this? You know, did I see the Bills get torched last week on the ground by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Well, yeah, I did. And I think there's a fundamental difference within the X's and O's with these two particular teams. Let's go back to last week. You know, one of the reasons that Mahomes isn't really having that lights out MVP season like he did last year is because teams are playing zone defense against him and they're not blitzing him. Why? Because he kills teams that go ahead and try to blitz him. So teams are going to go ahead and they're going to try to stay away from the man. They're going to revert. They're going ahead and play in zone, not stacking the line. And the Bills figured you know, if you're going to go ahead and beat us, why don't you go ahead and beat us with a rookie running back? Well, it backfired on the Bills, and they got smoked last week on the ground. But the Bills don't have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill this week. You know, they got Darnold this week. And I know for a fact that the Bills' front seven, you know, they're going to be primed, and they're going to be ready to go ahead and stop this run. And if the Bills stop the run, it goes down in the books as in, look, it was against the Chiefs. You know, give us a little bit of a break. But the Bills' rush defense prior to last week, it was actually a top-12 rushing defense. So don't be fooled by the numbers this week. Not to mention, Monday morning, you know, the story was that the Chiefs ran wild on Buffalo. Now you got Gore. And look, he's been okay this season, kind of workmanlike. Now Le'Veon Bell's gone. 
But the Jets also have two other running backs that they use with P. Ryan and Ty Johnson. I think we have the potential for a blowout here. And the Jets probably won't run Gore if they don't need to, especially if they're down by a lot. And I think they probably give the ball to probably P. Ryan and Johnson, you know, to kind of showcase those guys. Now, I think Gore's kind of ready to retire. So, and the Jets are looking like they're going to go ahead and tear everything down. So why not get these backs that they're probably going to dump at some point, you know, give them a little bit of shine, give them a little showcase. Maybe the Jets can go ahead and get something for them. I don't think the Bills allow a whole lot on the ground this week. I'd be surprised the Jets run for more than 60 yards combined in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Frank Gore under 40 and a half rush yards. Chris, Bills, Jets, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I do like that play, actually. And I, sometimes you get scared with these over-under rushing totals. Like I mentioned the game before, uh, or two games before, which was Adrian Peterson under 42 and a half. Um, but then you look at Gore again, a similar type of player, right? Older running back um, who's actually starting to lose touches slowly but surely to the younger running back in the offense. So with Peterson, he's, he's starting to lose uh, touches and snaps at DeAndre Swift. Now Frank Gore starting to lose touches and snaps to Michael Pirine. And you look back at week one, this is a rematch here already. We're in week seven. We already have a rematch now between the Bills and the Jets. And it's looking like Sam Darnold's going to be back under center for this game as well. Well, Sam Darnold played in that game. The Bills won by 10. And Frank Gore had just six carries for 24 yards in that game. And you see the Jets were more willing, even though they were losing last week, to just run, run, run. But when they have Darnold, I think they're more likely to open it up and throw when they're playing from behind and not just kind of pack it in and move on to the next week there. So uh, that go that that makes me like the Gore prop even more that you brought up there. And it wasn't something that was on my radar at the moment, um, but I, I am definitely going to look into that play and maybe making that an official article play to, to steal, steal your thunder there too. So, you son of a bitch. Other than that, where I'm going to look here is we don't see the numbers yet, but John Brown has officially been ruled out. And anytime we've seen John Brown out, uh, Gabriel Davis, a uh, talented rookie, ha- has just completely overexceeded expectations here. So Gabriel Davis is a guy that, you know, he's been relatively quiet in certain games so far this year, but he's going to step into that John Brown role. And there's already been uh, rumors from beat reporters that after the year, John Brown, the Bills are either going to cut him or they're just not going to renew his contract. And they're basically going to slide Gabriel Davis uh, directly into that role here. So He's a young guy with a lot of juice. He can make plays, and we know Josh Allen likes to sling it all over the field. This is one of the worst secondaries in the NFL here that we're getting. And anytime that Gabriel Davis has had at least four targets, which is, which has been the two main games that John Brown has missed, he's had four catches for 81 yards, and he had five catches for 58 yards. And I'm just going to guess that the books are not going to put him like above 45 or 50 at the most. So I'm going to be looking towards Gabriel Davis to take advantage of the John Brown injury. And I still like Stephon Diggs overall in this game. He had eight catches for 86 yards the first time that these two teams played. Right now his over-under receiving is at 75 and a half. I do like him to get to get loose on at least one or two deep plays in this game. One of the best deep route runners we've seen in the NFL in a while. And uh, even though they're using him all over the field, because of the blowout risk here from the from the Bills side, they could get so far ahead. Um, I would hesitate to play the over in his receptions, but at 75 and a half for a deep uh, threat who's number one on the offense, uh, 75, is, 75 and a half is a number I'd be more than willing to play here. So Dix has been on my list since earlier in the week, and I've just added Gabriel Davis as well, 
Hopefully we'll get a number on him soon. I would like to play Gabriel Davis probably up to about 50 or in the low 50s as well. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. I love that one, Chris, and I already talked about Gabe Davis already this year. I actually gave him out on my Twitter during one of the Bills' primetime games to go ahead and score a touchdown. And I also did, I, I believe you actually put this out, Chris, where it was my Bills season preview, and I talked about Gabe Davis in there that, you know, that they were really high on him and they were trying to get him the ball as much as possible. And I think Allen actually likes him. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, more increased targets, you know, each and every week until they finally go ahead and work him in. The fact that they do have that injury, you know, to John Brown, I, I think he probably got a decent play there. You know, one thing that you mentioned was Darnold that he probably will play. The only thing that I read this week about Darnold is that the only way that he won't play is if he has some type of a major setback. So, when I handicapped everything out, I kind of assumed that Darnold would be the QB and you touched on some great stuff. So uh, that actually makes me feel really good about my Gore prop. Now let's jump over to the Packers and the Texans. Chris, my Green Bay Packers going to be minus three and a half here on the road. Total of 57. I'll go ahead and start this one out. I like and I bet two props in this game. Same guy. I, I took Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Over 42 and a half receiving yards, and they took Valdez Scantling to go ahead and score a TD at plus 190. Look, Aaron Jones is banged up right now, and that was really apparent last week. He ran for just 15 yards on 10 carries. So I do wonder about Jones's health, and I also wonder about the health of tight end Robert Tunyon, who right now is listed as questionable, but he did miss practice already twice this week. And I'm guessing that he's going to go ahead and probably give it a try here on his beat up ankle. But I do think that limits the Packers passing attack, you know, to a degree. But I think what also will limit the Packers passing attack is Texans quarterback Bradley Roby. Now, look, he's going to go ahead and he's going to play shadow coverage on Devontae Adams. And Roby's played shadow coverage a lot this season on Tyreek Hill, Hollywood Brown, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and Titans A.J. Brown. Just listen to the yardage that those players had in the games where Roby was playing shadow coverage. 46 yards, 42, 0, 0, 24, 16, 58, and 112. The 112 was from Thielen. And remember, this is a quarterback who's going to go ahead and play shadow coverage. Listen to the names I just rattled off and the games that they had. They were extremely poor. So if you know the Packers' number one wide receiver is Adams, more than likely, Roby's going to be the guy that's going ahead and shadow covering him. I think with the injuries that we just mentioned, I think that leaves Scantling, you know, kind of just under the radar type of guy for this game. But he and Rodgers, you know, they have plenty of work together. I think if you add it all up, I think the door is just wide open for Valdez Scantling to not only have a good game, but to have a great game. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm taking Valdez Scantling over 42 and a half receiving yards and Valdez Scantling to go ahead and score a touchdown plus 190. Chris, Packers, Texans, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on this one, Sleepy. I, I don't even – it's not under the radar to me. I think if you're looking at the, the weapons in this game, to me, he stands out as the best play by far because you mentioned the shadow coverage by Bradley Roby. And uh, Roby has been allowing touchdowns in the end zone, but he has been limiting the yards between the 20s very well, as you mentioned with your examples there. So, uh, look, I mean, Devontae Adams could easily go over his yardage total. He's one of the best receivers in the game, so – uh, because Roby's there and he's been playing so well, I will not play the over on Devontae. I will also not play the under because of how talented Devontae is there. So MVS to me, I mean, you know, you talk about your Green Bay Packers, 
MVS played for my University of South Florida Bulls, proud USF alum over here. And I got to watch him a lot in college. And he's been a little, you know, hit or miss in the NFL. But Aaron Rodgers has developed a chemistry with him over the last couple of years. And I actually put Marquez Valdez-Scantling on my hunting the waiver wire piece. And this is, again, this is about players who are owned in less than one-third of, of uh, ESPN fantasy leagues. Right now, as, as, as of two days ago when I wrote it, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was only owned in 22.7% of leagues. And I think if you need a streaming option in DFS, a low-priced option, or a streaming option in your season-long leagues, MVS is a great play because this is a high-projected total in this game. The, the Packers are going to be looking for a bounce-back, get-right spot against this Houston Texans defense after being embarrassed against the Bucks last week. And the one stat I want to throw out here that just makes me like this play all that much more, I'm going to give credit to the Action Network's Matthew Freeman on Twitter. He combined the air yards and, and yards after the catch. So, like, consider it uh, air yak, right? MVS ranks eighth overall in the NFL if you combine air yards plus yards after the catch. So he's getting the opportunities deep, and when he does get them, he's turning those into even bigger plays than just catching it deep and falling down. So all that goes to say is that like all the attention is going to be on Devontae. Rodgers wants to get loose in this game. MVS, to me, the yardage total is just way too low for a deep threat like that, which is why we played Christian Kirk on this prior primetime game. We played his over. He's a similar type of deep threat player who might not get as many targets, but when he does, they're deep down the field. So when I see a deep threat like that and a good matchup, and the total is like less than 50, less than 45, I almost always will look to play that over there. So 42 and a half is what I'm seeing on DraftKings right now. That's by far my favorite play. I'm not seeing the rushing yards for for uh, uh, Aaron Jones, but I would definitely like to look at the over on Aaron Jones. I think it'll be set pretty high, but we all know so far through six weeks is that the Texans have had one of the worst rushing defense in the NFL. Aaron Jones, I think, had like 10 rushing yards last week against Tampa. Uh, he's he's in a get-right spot himself in this game. So I, I think it's an absolute smash spot for the Packers offense as a whole. MVS is going to eat some. Adams still eats some as well. And then Aaron Jones on the ground, I think, is going to tear up that defense after they allowed like 200-plus total yards to Derrick Henry. So uh, those are the plays I like a lot, and I'm with you 100%. MVS is my favorite play in that game. Well, you made me smile, Chris, when you mentioned the uh, USF Bulls because I actually played them in the game tonight. I took them over the total. And uh, that one ended up cashing, so I was quite happy about that. Yeah. Let's jump over to the Bucks at the Raiders. We got the Buccaneers here, minus four, total of fifty-two. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one. Let's see if you, uh, let's see if you're going to end up stealing my thunder this time. What do you got? Well, the total to me seems pretty high for uh, a Raiders team that's basically going to be like missing uh, key pieces on the offensive line. I mean, I. Earlier in the week, their entire O-line was put on the COVID list. Uh, So we don't know how many of those guys are actually going to suit up this weekend. But this was already shaping up to be one of the worst matchups for Josh Jacobs all season. I mean, this Tampa Bay front four has been just absolutely stuffing opposing running backs. No one could get anything going on the ground against this Tampa Bay team uh, with with the running back. So I'm looking to play – I was already looking to play Josh Jacobs under. And I think because of the name – recognition of Josh Jacobs that even with the surrounding circumstances that his number still won't be set as low as it needs to be so I I would play Josh Jacobs probably uh easily under like 70 65 I'd probably pay play him down to about 60 rushing yards in this game uh the Buccaneers are starting to fire on all cylinders right now 
And if they jump out to a lead in this one, you can almost erase Josh Jacobs from the game plan entirely. Uh, the offensive line issues make me think that Derek Carr is going to need to be checking down early and often. And uh, maybe Jacobs is more involved in the passing game, but I think he's going to look to guys like Hunter Renfro out of the slot, uh, Darren Waller, who also plays out of the slot as well in the middle of the field at tight end. So I think that's where Derek Carr is going to be looking. But uh, all types of bad situations. And and two teams that I think if they had their preference would rather run the ball and, and, and kind of grind it out. So I, I would look towards the under as a play. Uh, but prop-wise, I'm just looking for the Josh Jacobs number, number to come out, and, and I'm looking to fire on that under there. Well, I'm glad you didn't steal my play on this one because I, I was damn sure that you were probably going to end up at least taking it. But you did mention my guy. But uh, as Chris had mentioned, you know, we don't have any props right now in this game due to you know the fact that there was a second COVID test uh, that returned you know back from, from the Raiders. And my gut feeling, Chris says, you know, that we either probably get you know another double header on Monday night. Or maybe we'll even get, you know, another one of those Tuesday night games. You know, I guess it depends on, you know, if it's too much of a hassle, then I think that they probably end up just gutting it out and playing Sunday. But one way or the other, you know, I think this game will be played probably within the next few days. Here's the play I want you guys to go ahead and keep an eye out for. And I want this as an official prop. If you guys are writing them down, you know, put this down as one of my official props. And that's Hunter Renfro over receptions. You know, I'm not sure what it's probably going to be. Chris could probably answer this better. I'm guessing it's probably going to be three and a half or four and a half. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to take the over. You know, the Bucks rush defense, it's elite. It's number one in the league. And I don't think Jacobs is going to find much daylight in this game, you know, if any. Not to mention, you know, the Raiders O-line right now, it's in shambles because of the COVID thing. You know, they got guys out. They got guys who haven't even practiced. The logical person would say, you know, we really don't need an offensive line in practice to go ahead and throw the ball. And I believe the game plan for the Raiders is going to be, let's figure out how we can go ahead and throw the ball. They got Aguilar, they got, say, Jones, they got Renfro. Well, they got guys they could throw it to. Chris just mentioned, you know, they can go ahead and use Jacobs out of the backfield. So I think with the messed up offensive line, I think it kind of takes Ruggs and maybe Aguilar kind of out of the game plan here because it seems like, Chris, you, you tell me if I'm wrong or not. It seems like Ruggs and Aguilar are like the deep shot down the field guys where Carr's going to need some extra time. And we know how good that that Bucks defensive line is that, you know, it's like they're, they're more like home run type of guys. And I don't think you can go ahead with that home run type of mentality because what's going to end up happening is the Raiders are going to end up getting stuck behind the chains here. I think that's a little bit of a risk. Now, the Raiders faced three decent rushing defenses this year. And one was against the Saints. Renfro had three catches in that game. The other one was the Patriots. He had six catches. And the other one was the Bills, which in, you know, he had five. So I think with the O-line issues here and the Bucks rush defense, I think it's kind of safe to go ahead and probably play Renfro over three and a half or four and a half catches. I think he gets probably five or six here without an issue. That's the way I'm looking in that game. So I'm writing that one down. Hunter Renfro over three and a half or four and a half catches. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Chris, what do you think about Renfro? I know you talked about him, but now that you hear my handicap, what do you think? The thought process I, I think is correct with Renfro. The only thing that scares me a little bit is that when Ruggs was out, he was getting heavily targeted, like eight, nine targets a game. Uh, but in the other three games with Ruggs on the field, he's had two, three, and one target. Um I think the matchup could kind of like, uh, you know, supersede that because like we mentioned, the pass rush from the Bucks and the run defense, 
I think is going to force Derek Carr to check down to the short game there. So that's the only thing that would scare me off that prop a little bit. Um, but I mean, to me, I just can't look anywhere except the running game with, with J and I just want to throw in a couple stats on the run defense. And I think this plays into both of our plays here with, with Jacobs under and with Renfro over on his catches is the Buccaneers are like first across the board in a lot of different metrics here. Um, I, I think that yeah, 23% of the rushing attempts against Tampa Bay have gained five or more yards. That's the lowest rate in the league. League average is 35.3%. The Bucks have also allowed just five carries all year to gain 10 or more yards. That's the fewest in the league. And then they're also allowing a league low 2.3 completions per game of 20 or more yards. So teams can't throw it deep against them and teams can't run against them. So the short to intermediate areas of the field, it's all Renfro and it's all Waller. Uh, I, I would prefer Waller because I feel like I can just trust him as a talent that's always going to be there, an athletic guy who can make those plays. Um, so I, I am looking to both. I'm looking to Renfro and Waller, depending on what the numbers are. Uh, I, I just can't see. Uh, you know, if the Raiders were smart, Sleepy, they would run Henry Ruggs out of the slot. They would put Henry Rugg in the screen type of situations, but it seems like they're just running him deep down the field, which is it's, it's actually not even really what he did in college. He, he was a very shifty, explosive guy in the short area. So I would prefer as a fan and as overall fantasy analyst to see Ruggs being used in more creative ways. But so far, we're seeing Renfro in the slot you know, Waller over the middle at tight end and then just sending rugs deep. So with, with that going up against the Bucks, I, I think that's a solid play. Let's wait to see what the numbers are and then we can kind of attack from there. That's why I like doing this podcast with you because we get all our thoughts out on paper and then we kind of, you know, mesh our handicaps together and it's like, you know, we're either hitting, you know, we're either going to hit a grand slam or we're going to hit a home run. But it doesn't seem like, you know, we put our handicaps together like you and I strike out you know, with a lot of the prop thought process. Uh, I like that one. I also looked at Waller as well. I think he has a decent shot. And as you had mentioned, you know, Ruggs going into the slot. I just don't think that that will probably happen. One, you know, he's the guy that, that can that can really spread your defense because, you know, he is such a deep threat. But I just feel like in a game like this, taking that risk, because it seems like, you know, Carr kind of has to drop it into a bucket for that guy, that it's going to put him behind the chains. So that's why I just think Renfro is probably safer. And as you mentioned, Waller, you know, he seems like a safer bet as well. Let's jump over to the 49ers, Chris, at the Patriots. It's going to be an interesting game here. Patriots minus two and a half, total 44. I like and I bet Cam Newton over 208 passing yards. Have you guys seen the interviews from Cam this week? It's Cam saying, you know, that he needs to be better. He needs to take charge. He needs to go ahead and get this offense moving. And you know what? He's 100% right. Now, this Pats offense is not very good, but I think Cam will benefit you know, from a few things. Both of the 49ers starting safeties, they're going to be out in this game. And Shanahan, he's not going to go ahead and allow Cam and the Patriots to probably go ahead and run the ball, which is, you know, that's what the Patriots do when, you know, they're in a particularly, you know, kind of a tough situation. This is probably one of those things that a lot of people are going to think the Patriots are going to do, but we know Belichick. He often, you know, will go the other way. So I can see the 49ers probably going ahead and stacking the box here and saying, you know, go ahead and throw it there, Mr. 49 QBR, you know, Mr. Three out of the last four games, you know, you haven't passed for more than 165 yards, you know, go ahead and beat us with your no-name wide receivers. And you know what? I think the Patriots are going to figure out some type of way to go ahead and exploit, you know, those two starting safeties being out. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to play Cam Newton over 208 passing yards. 
And I also want you guys to go ahead and look for this prop. Jarek McKinnon over receptions. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Belichick knows that Mostert's out. And if you guys watch, I forget what the hell it's called. It's called something like where Belichick will go ahead and he'll preview this week's game. And he'll talk about the other team. Well, he talked about Kittle. He talked about Ayuk. And he talked about Debo. Meaning he's probably going to try to take those guys out of the game. And those are the 49ers best players coming into this game. You know, he got the corners to go ahead and slow those guys down. And I think he'll probably go ahead and take those guys out of the game. Well, I think that leaves McKinnon to go ahead and run or go ahead and catch passes. I think it's going to be much easier here to go ahead and get McKinnon a few catches. You know, with the Patriots getting some pressure on Jimmy G as he struggles to go ahead and get the ball, you know, to all those open 49ers players. And the Pats defense, we know, you know, the Belichick's going to go ahead and scheme them up to go ahead and stop Kittle on those guys. So, as I mentioned, we're going to go ahead, we're going to play Cam over 208 passing yards and really look for that McKinnon over catches. I'm guessing, Chris, it'll probably somewhere around two and a half. I think McKinnon probably gets, you know, anywhere from three to six catches in this game uh, with Mostert being out. Yeah, so th- this one's uh, th- this one's tough, man. I-, I officially do not have any plays in this game. I don't think I will have any plays in, in this game, so I- I'm going to take a pass on making any prop plays here. But I-, I do like the thought process overall, and I think the one thing you can count on is Bill Belichick scheming up against the best weapon on, on the opposing offense, which obviously is George Kittle here. And, you know, he talked up uh, Darren Waller back in week three, and Waller had two catches for nine yards. Uh, even – uh, Travis Kelsey was held to a season low three catches in week four. So I think Kittle as a raw talent, uh, you could argue is better than Kelsey and Waller, but against Bill Belichick and they might scheme their defense entirely to stop George Kittle, which, uh, you know, I would maybe look towards playing his under on receiving yards. But like I said, I, I really hesitate to play unders uh, with, with just such talents like that, no matter what the matchup is. So that's kind of why I don't like it. And here's the thing with Jarek McKinnon is that I'm a little worried that the last couple games he has been the starter, he's averaging like a, a close down to like three yards per carry, has not been very explosive running the ball. And you saw the undrafted rookie out of Baylor, Jermichael Hasty, who coaches have been very high on throughout the offseason and even in practices as well. Uh, he had nine carries in like less than a quarter and a half of action and looked very good, averaged like a full yard per carry more than McKinnon. Uh, last week. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that, but it is going to shy me away from uh, McKinnon, even playing him in fantasy. I've got, I've got a league where I'm borderline, I'm thin at running back. So I've got McKinnon and I think he's a solid play, but at the same time, I've got a guy like Justin Jackson on my bench. And even though McKinnon projection wise is projected for a little more, uh, I feel more comfortable rolling out Jackson. Cause I, I feel like he has a much clearer role where we all know the term Shanahanigans is that Mike Shanahan and the son Kyle Shanahan have known to mess with people when it comes to running backs and fantasy in the past. So uh, all that goes to say here on top of that is that this projects to be one of the slowest paced games on the week seven slate here. Um, it, both these teams want to run the ball. Uh, their games have combined for some of the lowest snap totals and play totals at any teams in the league. Uh, and with all the injuries on both sides on the defense, I just see this being a really kind of low-scoring, grinded-out type of game. So, um, you know, I, I'm really going to hesitate to play anybody in DFS. I'm going to try not to start guys in season long if I can help it. Obviously, you feel comfortable starting a Cam Newton but uh, and a George Kittle. But other than those guys, I think a lot of these guys are really risky plays 
Uh, so and I kind of went in circles there, but there's nothing really that I, that stands out to me in this game. Yeah, when I was watching that Belichick thing where he was talking about it, like he was actually going through game tape of San Francisco and what they do with particular players. And as you had mentioned, you know, the Patriots defense, they shut down Waller. They shut down Kelsey. Don't be shocked if they shut down Kittle. You know, I would be worried about going ahead and, and playing him, you know, over anything. But as you had mentioned, Chris, you know, you don't want to fade the, the, you know, you don't want to fade that kind of talent. You know, when you talked about McKinnon, I noticed that Hasty, you know, got some touches. I think it's a far different situation going back, you know, from San Francisco, you know, being at home last week to, you know, being on the road now at New England. I just think it, it's one of those situations where it's like, let's get this guy some work. We can probably get him some work now. But this week, you know, we got to use our guys that we're going to be able to go and use, you know, open the playbook with because, you know, I think the Patriots limit your playbook to some extent to where it's like you have to go with what you know, with what's going to work. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I kind of decided to go ahead and use McKinnon uh, and, and probably, you know, look a little bit away from from Hasty as much, you know, going ahead and screwing up my prop play. Let's go to a game that might be screwed up completely here, Chris. That's the Chiefs at the Broncos. Chiefs going to be minus seven and a half. Now, this line is anywhere from seven and a half to 10. So look around. Total 44 and a half. Now, I got a screwball prop. This is one I know Chris is going to love, and I know he's not going to have this prop. And if he does, um, I'll, I'll give you guys a, a like a free three-star player, whatever I can do. There's no way he'll have this prop. I can guarantee it. But, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and rip and run first. Chiefs and Broncos, what are you thinking? Oh, you built you built it up with the T's. I want to know what it is already, man. Uh, now the only the only place I'm looking here, sleepy. I actually think uh, people are going to shy away because of like the snow and wind. And with a little bit of snow, we, we've actually seen in the past that you're going to see actually more offensive production, especially a guy like Tyree Kill. Man, he makes the DB slip on one route down the field, and he can torch you for a 70, 80 yard touchdown catch. So Tyree Kill is kind of an interesting situation because his usage has been pretty low. Uh, this season compared to people considering him like an elite wide receiver one talent. He's actually 38th among all wideouts and targets per game and 29th in expected points uh, in fantasy. So that all goes to say is that, um, you know, he's kind of due or maybe a squeaky wheel type of situation where they just want to get their number one guy going. Um, yeah. So, so Tyree kills a guy. If the weather conditions are snowy and a little slippery out there, I, I love a guy like Tyree play uh, Tyree kill playing on a guy like that. But the the only play I feel strongly about so far, and the weather actually makes me like this more, is Drew Locke under his passing yards. And and this is something I circled earlier in the week, is that the Kansas City Chiefs, they can be run on for sure. And you're looking at a Denver Broncos team that's at home, in the snow. They've got Philip Lindsay back. They've got Melvin Gordon coming back after his illness kept them out last week. So they're going to look to run the ball. And, and the only way you can beat the Chiefs, it, we've kind of seen the last couple of weeks, the only way teams even try to beat the Chiefs anymore is to run out the clock. And I think the Broncos, especially with Vic Fangio at head coach, they're going to look to do that here. And I don't think they're going to be letting Drew Locke sling it all over the field. I mean, Kansas City has been one of the better secondaries in the league and, and limiting production to opposing wide receivers. Um, so when I look at Drew Locke, the over-under at 225 and a half, I'm going to take the under there. I'd probably play it down to about maybe 215 or close to there. Uh, I just think he really struggles in this game. Kansas City has been very well at getting pressure up front. And this is a veteran team here. And I think that they know that the only way that the, the Broncos can beat them is by running it. So I think the Broncos offense as a whole struggles. And I, I don't think Drew Locke, who's struggled to even crack that number in most games so far the last couple of years, 
I just can't see how he gets it done this week with the game plan coming in, with the projected weather, with the opponent. And, you know, even if they're going to have to keep up, uh, I still think they're going to really try to enforce the running game there. So that, that's my play right now is, is Drew Locke. I mean, he, he hasn't had more than, uh, you know, like a, a QB top 20 finish in all but one game so far this season. Uh, so it, it's just uh, that's dating back the last two seasons, actually. So I'm just not expecting a lot from Locke in this game. And, and, and he barely did anything against New England last week as well. You know, one of the things I will touch on here with the weather I actually checked it an hour before we did our pod, Chris, and, and the reports I got here is that it's going to be around 14 or 15 degrees, and it's supposed to be technically snowing heavy for this game. Uh, they're actually forecasting like three to six inches of snow, so I'm going to assume that the weather is going to be bad. And another thing that you know, some of you guys who were you know, taking notes for injuries, it looks like Melvin Gordon will be back for this game. I did see his total set at 62 and a half. Chris, before I go ahead and rip a run on mine, how do you feel about Gordon coming back after, you know, the DUI, you know, being out with a little bit of an injury there? You know, do you think 62 and a half is too high? Because I was looking at that and then I'm like wondering, is he going to split carries again this week? Like it seemed a little bit high and we know that that Chiefs, you know, rush defense could be vulnerable at all times, but I just, I'm just curious how you feel about that one. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one, Sleepy, because uh, we have not seen a single game this year where Lindsey and Gordon have been healthy for the entire game. Week one, uh, Lindsey and Gordon, for the first half of that game against the Titans, they basically were splitting things 50-50 down the middle, and I think Lindsey either left late in the second quarter or early in the third quarter, and Gordon wound up having 15 carries for 78 yards. So his total actually on DraftKings right now is down to 54 and a half. Um, The thing is, is like, you know, could they both, I think Lindsey and Gordon could easily get both over 50 yards in this game with, with the way that the Broncos do want to come out and try to establish the run. So if you can find it down in the fifties, I, I definitely would like that play. Uh, it doesn't seem like the Broncos uh, reports out of, out of, uh, out of Denver are saying that the Bron- Broncos actually uh, like and respect the way that Gordon has handled the DUI situation. So they have no plans to, uh, to punish him whatsoever. So any punishment Gordon would get down the road would strictly be from the NFL side. Um, so I don't think we have anything to worry about there. They're not going to try to punish him and not play him. Uh, he's back for this game. He missed last week for an illness. Um, but Gordon's looked very good this year in the times he has played. Uh, so I don't hate that prop. I would definitely lean over 54 and a half uh, if you can find it in the 50s. Um, and, and then when you sleep, when you look at Drew Locke, uh, I, I just got to go back to his passing yards because, again, this is one of the tougher matchups for opposing quarterbacks. And when you look at the way teams want to attack and drain the clock uh, against Kansas City, and Drew Locke has not had over 220 passing yards in a single game all season. He's played two full games. He had 216 passing yards in week one against the Titans. He had 189 yards last week against New England. And this is a guy that struggled to put up volume pretty much all season. Last year, Sleepy, he had one game where he had over 220 yards. And it was week two and a 38-24 win against the Texans. So pretty much he's had, what, seven starting games under his belt. And he's gone over 220 yards one time with the conditions, with the opponent, with the defense. I just don't see him getting over that. So that, that that's one of my stronger plays for this week is that under 220, uh, 222.5 passing yards. And, and like I said, playing that down to about 216, 215 and a half. You know, these snow games always spook me out because the last time I ended up playing under in a snow game was on Sunday, December the 8th, 2013. So write that date down, guys, and look up 
what game that was. I had the under in that game. That was the last time I played an under in a snow game. So let me jump into my screwball prop here, Chris, that I that I know that you certainly uh, that you weren't going to have. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play KJ Hamler to go ahead and score a TD. Now I'm going to assume that the weather is correct, and that that's what I said. I checked it about an hour ago, and you guys are probably going to wonder how the hell I came up with that one. Well, this handicap, it's kind of simple to go ahead and start. Look, it's going to be freezing cold out there, and it's probably going to be snowing. As I mentioned, Denver right now, they're calling for three to six inches of snow, 14 degrees at kickoff. I'm guessing that, you know, with the COVID, you know, that the ground crews, you know, that they might actually be, you know, kind of thin here at some capacity. So I think the field might be actually be in terrible shape. I think the fact that, you know, that this is like the real first cold air, you know, in Denver, that that might actually take a little bit of the wind out of the sails, you know, of some of the grounds crew to go in and get motivated to kind of get the get the snow off this field. So I do expect, you know, uh, certainly if it is snowing, I expect, you know, a, a crappy field for this game. Now, the crazy part of this handicap, you know, that's out of the way. That was the crazy part. But let's just say the field is in bad shape and it's forecasted to go ahead and be. You know, one of the things I know, you know, living in the Northeast and, and playing football myself here and watching the Eagles play, you know, you get a lot of misdirection plays in these type of conditions. Well, you know, Hamler is the guy that the Broncos are probably going to use. Only two players outside of the quarterback and running back have run the ball for the Broncos, and that's K.J. Hamler and Deontay Spencer. Now, Spencer, he gets like next to no snaps. He's only had two touches this entire year. So I expect Hamler to go ahead and get some runs in this game, and I think it's much harder for the defense to go ahead and catch up to a guy who's already started running, especially on a snow-covered field. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to predict Hamler gets a run here, you know, near the goal line. He's going to sneak it in the corner of the end zone, beating the defense. Plus, you know, I think that there is a possibility of Hamler also catching a TD pass. All it takes is a guy to fall down, as Chris had mentioned, and, you know, he's going to end up being wide open. You know, it happens all the times in these type of games. And if you go back to, you know, Hamler, does he actually get the ball, you know, as a wide receiver running? Yeah, he does. He's, I think he's got the ball like two or three times running the ball. So I'm going to go ahead and make my crazy play for this crazy snow game. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet K.J. Hamler to go ahead and score a TD, and you can get that at 9-1 to one on DraftKings. I believe FanDuel, they didn't have a lineup, but I'm going to go ahead and take K.J. Hamler to score a touchdown 9-1 to one on FanDuel. Chris, my crazy prop, how are you feeling about it? Well, now, now you got me questioning my uh, betting predators listener league lineup because I actually have KJ Hamler and I, I've been moving him in and out of my flex spot. We got two flex spots in that league, and you know it's a twenty team league again, which is which is completely crazy. But I did pick up Hamler off the waivers about a month ago. I think I was able to use him one time, but to me, he's a very talented rookie coming out of Penn State. He was regarded as one of the best route runners in this draft class. And he actually flashed pretty well before he did go down with a hamstring injury, I believe, a few weeks ago. So he's the type of guy on this type of slick surface with the defense paying more attention to Noah Fant. They're going to be paying attention to Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. And if the Broncos are trailing, you're going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets, and it's going to be Fant at tight end, and it's going to be Patrick, Judy, and Hamler. And Hamler will get the weakest defensive back matchup out of the three guys so uh, he, he's cleared the injury bill of health this week. I don't think he had a questionable tag on him uh, today or yesterday. So I'm liking that there. It looks like he's ready to go. And he's a very, t- very talented guy. I'm high on him in Dynasty. 
And uh, in a deep league, I, I think he's a worthy stash on the bench to see how things play out. I think better matchups are ahead, um, but I definitely do like uh, the talent there. I think if you're betting on a talent to score a touchdown or to get loose uh, for a long play, he's the type of guy that you would want to bet on. So I would have never expected that, but I, I live vicariously through you with your touchdown prop sleep. It, it helps me live a little more dangerously. So one of these days I'm going to have to get on you with one of these touchdown props and we'll, we'll see how it goes for this week here, man. I think nine to one is a, is a hell of a price. And the yeah. fact that you brought up that he plays for Penn state, there's a guy that actually had played in the snow. So I feel pretty good about that, but I want you to do me a favor, Chris, don't put Hamler in any of your lineups this week, because I know if you don't, I'm going to cash this ticket. And then our listeners are going to be happy. They got nine to one, you know, with a sleepy J prop. Chris, let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to be on the road here at Tennessee, Tennessee minus one and a half total 50 and a half. I'll let you go ahead and rip and run this one first. What are you thinking, Steelers Titans? Yeah, sleepy. So there's a couple ways I want to look in this game, and uh, I, I want to try to attack uh, what we have with the left tackle being gone, Taylor Lewan with Tennessee, and I think what what Pittsburgh we already know they put pressure on the quarterback at an elite level in the NFL. So I think they will get pressure on Tannehill. However, Tannehill facing pressure has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I actually look for the Titans to have more of a a productive day in the passing game than in the running game. The Steelers have been just stuffing opposing running backs. And I get it. Look, Derrick Henry's coming off a monster week. He had like 260 plus yards total, but that was against the worst running defense in the NFL. So Pittsburgh's a much tougher draw here. They're actually second in the league in allowing yards per carry to back. So limiting backs to 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, I do like Derrick Henry under 86 and a half rushing yards right now, which is what I'm seeing at DraftKings Sportsbook. And a couple other ways I want to attack here that the the Steelers secondary has been actually susceptible to some productive days here. So I think AJ Brown still will have a good game in this matchup here. And I also think Adam Humphreys, a guy you bet on last week, Sleepy, uh, slot receivers have been having their way against Pittsburgh as well. So in a game where uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to face a little more pressure than usual without the left tackle, uh, in a game where they're going to have a little more trouble running Derrick Henry, uh, you know Ryan Tannehill is going to have to rely more on guys like Adam Humphreys, AJ Brown, even Jonu Smith at tight end. Corey Davis will be back for this game as well. So um, be- because of all those reasons alone, I will look towards uh, AJ Brown and Adam Humphreys both in this game. But my favorite play is under on the rushing yards for Derrick Henry. I'd probably play that down to about 85, 84 total, which he has had in two of his games so far this year. He's had had, had, had under 85 yards. So it's not like the guy has never been held under that total before. His toughest matchup of the year. That's why I like that play. As far as Pittsburgh goes, uh, I think they have a great matchup. Tennessee's uh, been scored against and produced against at a high clip in, in all levels of fantasy, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. So my only question is now with Deontay Johnson back, how are the targets and production split between him, Claypool, Juju, even James Washington? So I don't have a strong feel for where Big Ben's going to go, although I do expect a lot of points in this game, a lot of fantasy production, uh, but I, I know more of a clearer type of role and target pecking order for Tennessee, so I'll look to attack there in this one. So, Chris, I do have a question for you. It looks like Corey Davis is going to be back. Do you think that that kind of thins out everything for that wide receiver core? You know, does that help Tannehill out? Like, how do you feel about Davis, you know, finally being back in the offense? 
I mean, overall, just what are your thoughts with Davis, you know, coming back and playing? Yeah, it's interesting because Davis was like a non-factor last year. And he's a, he's a guy we've had big hopes on in his first couple of years in the NFL, and he's really underperformed. Um, the, the, the only game he, he played a full healthy game with AJ Brown was in week one where he actually led the team in receiving yards with 101. But in the last two games that he played after that, the, the following two weeks, he only had three catches for 36 yards, five catches for 69 yards. So I think actually Corey Davis is a guy who actually benefits from AJ Brown being on the field. Um, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see that, which is why my favorite play is on Henry just as a whole struggling to run the ball. But yeah, you know, the, the reason why I would lean towards Humphreys over Davis is because Humphreys operates almost exclusively out of the slot. And I think Tannehill is going to be needing that security blanket in the short area of the field, uh, whereas Corey Davis is going to be put out in more of those intermediate routes there. So um, it, maybe he takes a little bit away from the ceiling of A.J. Brown overall. Uh, but I think as a whole – you're going to see the Titans offense operating at a higher level in general because they do have one more reliable option on the field in Davis. So maybe it takes a little away from Jonu's ceiling. Maybe it takes a little away from A.J. Brown's ceiling. But those guys are still locked in as elite players at their positions in fantasy. So I'm not going to shy away from playing them in season-long leagues or even in DFS. This is going to be a game that has a lot of points scored. The over-under is over 50. And – I think it's going to be very low owned in D- in DFS this weekend. So if you're looking for a cu- couple game stacks, maybe Tannehill to AJ Brown, run it back with Claypool or Deontay Johnson. Those are some ways where you could, where you could come in with guys with really high ceilings that have really low ownership, and you could really get some leverage and advantage over your opponents there. You know, one of the things, Chris, that you touched on a couple times in the podcast is going ahead and and not fading the talent. And these two teams are just loaded with talent. And I honestly, I just couldn't come up with with a prop that I actually liked in this one. But I will go ahead and give you guys this one. I I, I do like the Tennessee Titans in this game. Uh, I would probably just bet them on the money line. You know, one of the things that that I kind of looked at when it came to Pittsburgh, it was their level of competition. And I'm looking at who they played and who they beat. They beat a bunch of bad teams. And they really did. And you look at Tennessee... Yeah, they played a couple of bad teams as well as as in any, you know, all these teams in the NFL. They've played the much tougher competition. Now, a lot of people are making a big deal out of uh, Taylor Lewan being out. But look, dude, like we don't know how good his backup is. And I think the fact that you have like a guy like Derrick Henry that can run, you know, a big guy that can ground and pound. He's quick. But then you have Corey Davis, you have A.J. Brown, you have Adam Humphreys, you got John o. Smith coming back. You have a quarterback in Tannehill who's playing at an MVP kind of elite type of level right now. He can also run as well. Like, it's like, all right, dude, like we can game plan around, you know, one of our key losses on offense. So I think the Titans probably go ahead and maybe expose, you know, a lot of people are thinking that the Titans are the 5-0 and fraud team. And I'm not saying that that Pittsburgh are, is a 5-0 and fraud team, but I'm just saying the two teams that if you ask me which is better, I, I I think it's the Titans, especially at home right now. And look, the, the Steelers ain't frauds. They're going to give a lot of people a lot of trouble. But uh, that'll wrap up that game. Let's jump into the next one. Jaguars at the Chargers. Chargers going to be minus 7.5. Total 49.5. You know what, Chris? I'm going to give you the floor because I have a feeling you have the same exact play as me. And generally, you know, we kind of, you know, we align on a lot of stuff, which generally we end up cashing those tickets. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and have the floor here. Jaguars, Chargers, what do you got? Yeah, so this is a game where the Jaguars defense has been like that get-right spot we talk about with certain defenses. And it's 
pick your poison here because the Jaguars cannot stop the pass and they can also not stop the run. And you have a Chargers team coming off a bye with the rookie quarterback. They fully committed to Justin Herbert this year. He's played phenomenal football, even though they've been losing. Uh, I gave this out in our week seven preview. My, my best bet of the week is a teaser, uh, which is the Bills at minus six and the Chargers teasing them down to minus two. So uh, that kind of all goes to say is that I think the Chargers offense is due for a really big game here. And Justin Herbert's a guy that, that I think is due for a really an, another really big game uh, as well. So this is a team that still could make a playoff run with the extra wild card seed uh, in the NFL this year. I like Keenan Allen too, because Keenan Allen's coming off a game where the last time we saw him was on prime time. He left with a back injury, but it turns out that those are just back spasms, back spasms. And he has a full clean bill of health as well for this week. And we all know he's been actually just like completely peppered with targets uh, by Justin Herbert in this game. I do also like Mike Williams and I'm looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook prop board right now, and the only receiving number I see available right now is Mike Williams at 42 and a half. So this is the type of game where I definitely like Mike Williams uh, to be able to clear a total like that. I think for another explosive deep threat, we talked about this with MVS uh, in the Packers-Texans game. Mike Williams, even more talented than MVS, and the number is there for the taking with the matchup. Coming off a bye, it's a guy who's been banged up. He's got an extra week to heal up. Um, so I think Herbert slings it around. I'm also very high on the running backs in this game. Uh, obviously, we can't make an overplay on everybody, but I, I, I think that I wouldn't blame you if you're looking towards any of these guys to make plays on them here. So uh, we're not going to see the running back props for this game yet because Justin Jackson is listed as questionable. Um, I do like Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly both to have good days on the ground here. Uh, but for right now, I, I like Mike Williams. I like Keenan Allen. Uh, whatever you're seeing the numbers at for Hunter Henry, um, I think he's a strong fantasy play. Uh, do I think Herbert might spread it around a little too much for him to get that involved? Maybe. So th- that's that's kind of where I'm looking. When you, when you get a deep threat and a great matchup and the total is sitting in the 40s, I really think those are great plays when it comes to props because I think more than – you know, six out of 10 times or, or about that time, you're going to hit that. You're going to clear, you know, that 50%, 60% barrier there. So uh, that's where I'm looking in this one. On the Jaguars side, it's it's too tough to tell because DJ Shark, he's been banged up. He had 14 targets last week, but only seven catches. Chenault had, I think, eight or nine targets. He only came down with three of them. We lost the prop on Chenault. Uh, it Minshew was just so inaccurate in that game. And I got a stream Minshew in one of my fantasy leagues this week. I'm just hoping he provides a little bit of a rushing floor and cleans up the passing a little bit. But uh, I'm not trusting the Jaguars offense right now with any props, but I do like the Chargers a lot uh, overall in this game. All I got to say is this. Screw Gardner Minshew. And for everybody that listened to our podcast, when we gave out LaVisca Chenault last week, there is no way in hell that we should have lost that damn prop. (laughs) Dude, he was wide open, literally six feet in front of Minshew. Mitchell like threw it over his head and then he was wide open standing there on the sideline, like just sitting there, like waving his arms. It's like, dude, you were looking right at him. How do you miss that guy? It was like two plays in a row. My buddy came over and I'm like, dude, bet this and this put it in a parlay. There's no way we're losing this. Don't you know it? We hit the first one before freaking halftime. And then I'm sitting there watching Chanel and I'm going, this is easy, dude. We only needed one catch in the whole second half. It was like Minchu was like, I don't even know. I, I don't even have an explanation. The only explanation I have is that he stinks. 
Yeah, no, actually, Sleepy, and I actually saw that DJ Shark because I got him on my bench in a couple leagues. And this Chargers secondary is pretty good, too. Let's not forget that. So uh, I think DJ Shark made some type of offhanded comment to one of the beat reporters that he's like, yeah, he's like, well, he's like, we were pretty open <laughs> talking about the game last week. So uh, Minshew's he's got to get it together uh, to get his receivers at least somewhat happy in this offense. And I agree with you. I, Chenault was the right play in that game. When you got a guy who's getting seven plus targets and the over under on catches is three and a half, you know, you're going to, you're going to win that more often than not. And, and Chenault has now had at least six catch at, le- at least six targets in four straight games. So um, we'll see what the number is on this week, but yeah, that was, that was very frustrating to see that, man. Yeah. Even shark had a couple, a couple of throws that were just like, head scratchers. I'm like, dude, how are you missing these guys? I think what it did, it kind of just got in his head. And then before you know it, it was like, dude, just, just please just let me get one more catch. But uh, you did mention my guy here, Chris. I like, and I bet Keenan Allen over five and a half catches. Now I have a few plays in mind here, but the issue here I think is, is the Chargers offensive line, specifically the right side of that line. I think Joshua Kelly, he might actually get some limited rushes, because the Jags, you know, their bad rush defense, I think they're going to stack the left side of their defensive line because the Chargers' right side of their offensive line is all messed up. I think they got two guys out. I think Balaga's all messed up. And I think that's going to allow pressure from the Jaguars' defense, you know, to go go ahead and break through on the right side. But there is something that can benefit, you know, the Chargers here is the fact that Herbert is a right-handed quarterback. So I think he's going to go ahead and he's going to see the pressure coming from that side of the line. Therefore, I think the beneficiary probably is going to be Kelly out of the backfield or Keenan Allen playing in the slot. We know he's going to end up, you know, probably, you know, getting ready to go and get some short, hot routes. I think that'll be, you know, kind of the game plan here, especially if there is some quick pressure here on Herbert. Allen probably ends up going right back to, you know, getting those high targets that we were talking about. I mean, he had like three games there, Chris, where I think he had like 11, 12, and like 19 targets. I mean, clearly he's the number one guy. I think Herbert probably missed him last week. He's going to be really happy to go ahead, you know, and get, and get his main guy back. So uh, I, I just think, I think Allen probably feasts, especially on this, you know, Jaguars secondary, which has just been beat up. It's been injured. They got guys in the IR. And as you had mentioned, you know, the Chargers, they, they might be without the services of running back Justin Jackson. So unless the Chargers want to run Kelly to death, you know, probably to the left side of the line, I think they have to get Allen involved here. I would probably be against your Kelly rushing, if that's the way that you're looking there, Chris, or at least if you, you were talking about that. I might be a little bit worried about that because, like I said, the Chargers' right side of their offensive line is just a mess right now. And I think Allen's going to be the beneficiary or – the running back probably catches some dump passes, which I looked for that, and that there is no prop for that. I wanted to go ahead and see, you know, if I can go in and get some completions on Kelly, but there were none available. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Keenan Allen over the five and a half receptions. That's the way I feel about that one. Yeah, that's a great one, Sleepy. Uh, to just jump in real quick, as our last game here is um, Keenan Allen in the games he has been healthy with Herbert. He's had at least seven catches in every game. Uh, he's had double-digit targets in every game, 10, 19, 11. Even though he left in the first half of that Saints game a couple weeks ago, he already had two catches on two targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. So Keenan Allen is the guy in that offense. He's an absolute target hog for the Chargers. And, uh, no, I do agree with you. I'm not playing anything in regards to Kelly rushing. Uh, what I am going to say is if uh, 
if Justin Jackson is ruled out, then Kelly will be the guy and he'll probably get upwards of like 20 to 25 touches uh, through the air and on the ground. However, if Justin Jackson plays and he was a full participant in practice on Friday, cause he's on one of my teams and I'm going to need him to start if he's healthy. Uh, Justin Jackson is, is clearly playing in the Austin Eckler role. We saw that in the saints game. He's running the most routes. He's getting the most targets. He's also getting the most carries. I think Kelly will operate maybe more as a goal line red zone back than anything else as a bruiser type running back. So uh, I, I am bullish on Justin Jackson receiving props, like you just mentioned, with your handicap, uh, if he winds up playing. Uh, Mel, uh, Coach uh, Anthony Lynn was a little mum about it because he's listed as questionable. He's like, oh, we'll see. But the fact that Jackson was a full participant in practice makes me think he will suit up. As soon as we get the official word, I'm assuming that's when the books will put out the prop numbers for these guys. Uh, but absolutely, Keenan Allen, we hit it a couple times earlier in the year on, over on the catches. I, I definitely love that. and. It also makes me like the Mike Williams prop more because all you need, Mike Williams runs a majority of his routes straight down the sideline as a deep threat. And you're looking towards the right, like you mentioned, Herbert being right-handed with the right side of the line being banged up. So he could he could wind up rolling out right and just one time chuck it deep to Williams. This is a prop that we can beat with one catch. Uh, so I'm liking Allen with the catches. I'm liking Williams on the receiving yards because it's so low. And then I will be looking towards if Justin Jackson plays, I will have him as a top 20 uh, fantasy running back in this game as well. We need the best. That's why you're here. I'm hoping he does play because I'm looking for those running back completion props. That's certainly one thing I'm looking at. And you got to wonder, too, if, you know, if the Chargers offensive line is struggling to go ahead and keep the pressure off Herbert and they consistently keep going short or they keep dumping to the back, you got to wonder if they start cheating up. And then Williams is just there ready to catch that bomb wide open. It wouldn't shock me if you do get it in one play. And we know how how good he is, you know, when it comes to, you know, being a deep threat. Uh, I think we, we're probably going to nail a bunch on this one. Chris, you got anything else? <laughs> yeah, Sleepy. Uh, we, we, we're like 5-0 and on Metcalf overs this year. And uh, I, I said, I like, two week, three weeks ago, I was like, if it's under 70, play the over. Then I was like, uh, if it's under 75, play the over. If it's under 80, play the over. Uh, DraftKings has his receiving total. The The game was moved to Sunday night. Otherwise, we'd be talking about it. But Seahawks at Cardinals, I think the highest uh, point total on the slate. DK Metcalf, over 68 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I'm playing that over all day. I'm going to ride the wheels till it falls off on DK Metcalf. So definitely expect that to be in the prop play article there, too. All right, guys. Well, there's a, there's a free bonus one. And as I had mentioned, Chris and I, if we have anything for Sunday night, we'll go ahead and we'll make sure we put that on our Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame and at mad journalist that is m-a-d-d journalist well that's it guys that's it for the podcast hope you guys got uh hope you guys got all the plays written down and uh, i'm willing to guarantee we go ahead and we make some we make some money this week and i know i'm gonna hit one of those goofy props that we're gonna get a decent pay i just have a good good feeling uh, about our prop stuff this week and this podcast you know overall has gotten a lot of listenership it's gotten nothing but positive feedback and I think a lot of it has to do with the work that Chris and I, you know, put into this podcast. But throughout the week, you know, we gather a ton of information from all the work that we do. You know, we get a lot of information from Uncle Dave. We get a lot of information from the Hitman and Dan and Mackenzie and Bernie and everybody. You know, so when it comes time for this podcast, you know, Chris and I are kind of dialed in. You know, we're focused. Not only that, you know, we're in a lot of fantasy leagues where, you know, we're just we're crunching numbers and we're looking at this and we're looking at that. And we're looking at game plans and scripts and all this crap. So when this podcast comes out, 
there really should be no excuse why the hell we lose. And if we do lose, you know, we'll be the first ones to, to be accountable. And I'm willing to bet, you know, the, that the, the crummy excuse is going to be, you know, that that we either had bad luck or, quite frankly, it's going to boil down to we didn't do the work. Because when we have everything in front of us, you guys can see the work that we could put together and go ahead and give you guys the winners. But with that said, I'll go ahead and close it up here, guys. Uh, as I said, I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. You guys can get Christelle at Mad Journalist. Make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Check us out over there at bettingpredators.com. You guys can get all the articles. Make sure you subscribe over there and find us at pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games. <laughs>